Hello, ladies and gentlemen, all of you wonderful viewers. Thank you for joining me today. So, a um, bit of an update with this session. Sadly, what I am using to record uh, through Discord, a uh, little bot known as Craig, only holds audio for a week. I just got super busy being back in college, going through the motions, tackling my senior design. Anyway, long story short, I was dumb and didn't download the audio files in time. So sadly, session 42 uh, is not available. However, I am hoping to do a recap with the group. Otherwise, I will read you the recap so you're at least caught up on to what happened and you're not completely in the dark like you're skipping over a session. So this is going to be super short. Hoping to have another after show talk with the group soon. But otherwise, thank you for tuning in and listening, wanting to stay up to date. So, per session 42, in the aftermath of Shmirgle's death, uh, played by Veranda, parties affected uh, to their core in many ways, each beginning to deal on their own terms, some still figuring themselves out. Elray, in particular, has resigned himself to leave, and Shatters has resolved herself to go with him. Trouble is heartbroken while the rest are unfazed on Schmirgel's passing. Granted that 21 and Desmith were out doing their own thing while they were away for a couple of sessions. Um, and a beautiful makeshift grave is constructed before everyone moves on. Desmith even goes so far as to using one of his artificer abilities to have a nice uh, permanent hologram uh, shining showing Schmirgel and his beloved goat, Glompers, uh, just sitting on a ridge overlooking a sunset. So, with that said, party moves on. This is by a couple of guards looking to uh, cause trouble and deliver trouble. Um, but uh, they don't like that. So, while well, the guards are initially met with threats by trouble and Desmith, uh, conflict is quickly avoided thanks to the quick thinking and eloquence or eloquence of both Shatters and Elray. They kind of de-escalated the situation, and they just offered to pay them gold. Made some pretty viable points, such as you really want to go through all this paperwork, blah, 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 blah. So from there, the party makes their way uh, into Zerginia, and they get a newspaper about some recent events. Uh, the state of the political parties, the state of Simic, the outcome of the raid led by Jace, uh, in Ravnica, how they discovered a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting uh, unethical experimentation, how persecutions of other races and witches is on the rise, given the recent reports of a lich roaming the lands in Dominaria, uh, an odd crossword puzzle that both Desmith and Elray attempt to tackle, uh, discovering an encoded plea for help, although they don't decide to pursue it any further um, come to the conclusion that they have more pressing business to attend to. Uh, the paper then also went into detail about the return of the Kenrith siblings and their recent travels, Simic's latest humanitarian efforts within Dominaria, and how the five main speakers have gone into each city to do unknown work. Then there is also a slight mention towards the end of recent tremors throughout Dominaria. From there, the party does some shopping and appraising. Uh, Desmeth learns that the metal that he obtained from the stronghold of the highwaymen, it's actually a very, very rare metal uh, known as red mithril. 
I'll get to uh, more about that in a moment. But uh, after their appraising, uh, they make it their destination, continuing their investigations into the Clawthorns and the Druids, uh, and they are met by and warned by an ally. So essentially, if you go into the shop, uh, there's an elderly couple. Um, they're high-level racists, uh, persecutionists, uh, kind of also, in a weird way, serial killers. They're just, they got some weird stuff going on. And the person who's working there, whose backstory will be revealed very soon on the sessions to come, notice Petra, a, uh, slightly feathery-looking, uh, green and red dragonborn, uh, alerts a group through message saying, hey, don't drink the tea. That tea is going to zonk you out, and then they're going to try and do some stuff to you. Probably put you on a stake and burn you. You guys should leave. You should not have inquired about what you're inquiring about. You're too trusting. So they, they do that. Desmond talks to the lady, learns about the Red Mithril, gets a book on someone note, noted as a Red Mage, about how uh, this ore is brought to him Essentially, he is he has the ability to craft it with properties of uh, enhanced heavy armor, but only with the weight of light armor. Uh, very, very important. Apparently, possibly some uh, other magical abilities that can be used, but it has to be done by him and only him. Uh, other than that, not much is known on it. But Desmith does use it to create a special chest to contain the artifacts permanently, also utilizing a new spell to keep a chest in the ethereal plane. With that said, uh, after they are warned, um, Petra then uh, goes to explain, meets them in another uh, house about a block over, explaining part of why the Clawthorns had to leave and make their way to Little Ravnica. Uh, people found out a uh, possible connection to the Druids. A uh, small riot ensued, and they were forced to leave for the safety of their lives. Um, and as they are there, uh, everyone else kind of moves away from, from trouble. Uh, before, I, uh, before they leave the store, they pretend that they are really not connected to them. And the old couple uh, alerts someone, or people supposedly. Um, nobody tries to intervene. No one kills them, which is actually a surprise given the party that I have. Um, they're left to go on their, their merry business. And to top it off, as they're finishing their conversations and getting ready to leave while they're in the new building, uh, they are ambushed by a very high-level sniper. Desmith has seemingly impenetrable armor is for the first time in a very long time penetrated. Some kind of special armor piercing shot. Trouble was also shot and gravely wounded. The party, seeing their uh, high disadvantage and not having proper uh, sights on the shooter, decide to run. Elroy, however, seeing the pressing issue, decides to zip across town in a blur of light, hoping to either kill the assassin or buy the party time. Now, while no one else was able to really deduce where it came from, uh, the bullet did come through a window. Elray deciding to be, well, smart, um, wants to try and deduce the angle from which the shot was fired. Uh, looking through from where the shot was fired in a brief glance, seeming to where uh, might have been one of the highest points the shooter could have had a good uh, view on them. And he finds it, the old bell tower. So, running as he does at almost probably like 400 feet a turn, some crazy number, as Elray does, given that he is a blade singer. Um, 
he does that and then runs up the wall, is actually able to make it all the way there, the sh uh, shooter missing their second shot, uh, not able to quite hit them. Bursting through the window to the old bell tower, Elray makes quite the entrance, but also sets off a runic detonation, not being wary of any traps that might have been in place. Uh, realizing his mistakes, uh, or his one mistake, he realizes that he's uh, pressed for time, but he presses the advance nonetheless. An epic battle ensues, obviously. The gunslinger, with uncanny precision and an incredible adeptness for loading, fires shot after shot at Elray, but Elray is too quick and is able to evade every shot. Elray is able to get in some damage, but is forced to retreat on account of the lady's abnormal teleportation abilities. Uh, she throws in a smoke bomb, cutting off line of sight. And with the major explosion about to go off, Elray enters the ethereal plane, while the woman then jumps away and teleports yet again. However, in their final moments, a short conversation does ensue. Elray trying to deduce the reason behind this attack. The lady mentions that there is a bounty on the Firebrand 6, with a specific request from another party, uh, specifically for Trouble to die first. However, her reply is slightly misinterpreted by Elray as a two-part, believing that she is just working for Trouble's father and does not really disclose anything else with the rest of the group. Party makes a daring escape onto the airship and now headed to Banalia, as their airship had arrived early on account of Desmus' upgrades. Um, and as the explosion rings out and there is a bit of chaos in the streets, the ship goes away along with the rest of the party. Uh, there's some conversation that ensues. Uh, they are dealing with Muriel's death and the recent events in all different ways. Uh, and later that night, a heart-to-heart -heart is had between Trouble and Desmith, where Trouble realizes that Desmith's allegiances don't really... He's not really here in terms of family or doesn't really feel connected in the familial sense. Uh, he's here for knowledge and to learn and to advance his own objectives. Uh, which leaves Trouble a little bit crestfallen. Um, but uh, other than that, they just discuss family and their personal motivations for doing what they do. Hazel comes in later and is filled in on the events and delivers fan mail, also pledging to Desmith after a very um, how should I put it? Creative tension is had during this conversation, as it is illegal to open other people's mail, as Deathness very clearly states to uh, make a statement of. Uh, she pledges to no longer open their mail without permission. Uh, so they all get to read their fan mail of, of their inspirations or whoever is writing them for whatever reason, which was just sweet. Uh, Desmond finally completes the uh, chest properly, stores the artifacts away, but does not tell the rest of the party. Uh, so, so far, the party does not know the, the reason behind why he was so adamant on creating this chest. Hazel has also finished the book to expose Simic. Trouble has to explain to Estrada what happened to his brother, and um, sadly, Trouble is the only one to relay that information. Uh, Elray and Shatters don't, uh, they run. They emotionally run from that situation and don't really provide comfort. Uh, it's a shame, actually. Uh, it's not a pleasant conversation. Lastly, Shatters and Rodon have a very touching heart-to-heart, -to -heart, with Shatters end up explaining her plans to leave with Elray and trying to say goodbye. 
Erdan uh, vague, tries to get Shatters to stay, but to no avail, and just tries to give her words of encouragement and advice. Uh, they uh, state that they'll try and keep in contact with one another. Uh, he says that Shatters always knows where he is and can always write to him at any time. And Rodan has a vague idea that they'll be going to the Scintillac Isles, just from context clues. Shatters is not the best at keeping any type of secret with friends. Anyway, after uh, their heart-to-heart, tears were shed, smiles were had, and Para Wishfield has now also officially joined the party, with an important backstory yet to be revealed. This is where our story will resume come session 43, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening.